The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. And welcome to Sports Info UM. Sam, what's going on, man? There's a lot going on in college football. It's just a lot going on, period, Daryl. It's, it's another beautiful day in paradise. You know, uh, a couple of um, ADs have decided to pull the trigger and uh, fire some coaches. A big-name coach in, in California has been fired, and uh, um, an old coaching, coaching veteran at UConn, uh, Paul Pascaloni, has been let go. Uh, what are your thoughts on these takes? Uh, did the ADs jump the gun, or um, is there merit behind these firings? Well, I'll say this. Um, Paul Pascaloni, he, you know, I'm not so sure he deserved that job at Northwestern. You know, he didn't do such a good job. At UConn. At, at, at UConn. He didn't do such a good jo- job at Syracuse when he was there. And um, it was surprising to see him get the job at UConn. But um, the one that is not a surprise at all is Lane Kiffin. You know, Lane Kiffin, you, you wonder how did he get the job? And you knew he wasn't going to hold that job very long when his dad left. You know, I, thought, I think his dad was a, a stepping stone for him getting the job and a stepping stone for him to keep that job at, um, at USC. Just didn't deserve it, and it didn't surprise me one bit when he lost that job, man. Uh, you know, Lane Kiffin, uh, he, he, was a, he was a rising star in the coaching profession when he was at SC uh, under Pete Carroll. Uh, he took the Oakland Raiders job. A lot of people didn't feel he deserved that job. He went to Tennessee, and then he abruptly left Tennessee to, uh, to go to USC, which uh, at the time I thought it was going to be a perfect fit. You know, he could go out to, um, to uh, USC and continue what he helped Pete Carroll build. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out for uh, for Lane Kiffin. Uh, and, and I don't know if we're going to see him coaching again for a while. The one thing is he is a very young coach. Uh, and so, uh, you know, maybe he'll take a break and, uh, and resurface somewhere else, Daryl. But, uh, you know, uh, the thing that kind of disturbs me is the AD was – in Lane's corner when a lot of people was calling for him. And, uh, you know, I have to beg and ask the question, did he uh, cave in to the pressure from the big money boosters, the the regions? You know, is, is that why he decided to make this call? Why didn't he? It's To me, you either do it before the season or you do it after the season. You know, I don't know if I like doing it five games into the season. They did take a pretty bad beating against uh, Arizona State team, giving up 60-plus points. And I guess that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, you know, and and – 
let's let's talk about this guy Hayden. You know, and and Pat Hayden was a road scholar at UC at UCLA. Uh, I saw him play. I saw him play for the Los Angeles Rams. He was a very good quarterback, and he's a very smart man. And I think he saw the writing on the wall. And 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 this is not this is not his hire. You know, he came in after all the trash with Reggie Bush and and all of the, the penalties that USC went through. So he he didn't really he was this is not his hire. So I think Lane Kiffin was walking on eggshells, whether he knew it or not, coming into this season. And I just don't think he walked a fine enough line. And um and losing to Washington State didn't didn't help their case at all. Okay, Darrell, I have a question for you. You just hit on a very key point. You said with the NCAA mess. So, you know, that takes me to the point. Were the expectations for Lane Kiffin too high at USC? Because to me, he was playing with a... um, with an unfair hand, uh, when you take into um, account that he was he only had fifty five scholar athletes. Eventually, that lack of depth wears on the team. You know, uh, the University of Miami's went through it. Your your alumni, Penn State is currently going through it. You know, if you're going to compete, you're going to need. Uh, a, a full hand, Daryl, and and I think the worst thing that Lane Kiffin could that that happened to him is when he went eleven and one uh, a couple of years ago, and he set the expectations sky high. But the reality of it is, Daryl, when you're playing with fifty five scholarship guys and other teams have eighty five guys, that is a big disadvantage. And uh, I think it's two years in two thousand sixteen that 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 they're going to be at the full scholarship amount. So that's something that the new coach of definitely have to take into account and speaking of new coaches there there's a lot of names there's going to be a lot of big names that's going to surface for this job because you're talking about one of the, the best jobs in college football and, and you're right sam there's going to be a, a lot of big names surface for this job and it's going to have to be a big name that takes this job and let's don't get it twisted man when when the fans stop showing up for usc games there's a problem and, and 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 USC, you know, you may think of University of Southern California as a public school, but no, this is a private institution. This is a this is a school that costs a, a gang of money, a bundle of money to go to USC. So their their expectations are great, man. We've had so many Heisman Trophy uh, winners come through this program. We've had so many national championships won in California through through USC's program. And when the fans stop showing up. That was a real sign that Lane Kiffin's job, the writing was on the wall for him to lose his job because that's what pays the bills. No matter what we talk about, alumni and boosters, fans coming to the game is what put, the, put this program on the map, what puts them on TV, and that's what pays the bills. Is there any chance that Pete Carroll leaves the Seattle Seahawks and come back? <laughs> no. <laughs> because you know, uh, I tell you what, USC is a great program, but uh, USC hit a—they um, hit a moment where they were kind of irrelevant until Pete Carroll begged for the job. Um, I, you know, uh, right now the odds are that uh, Jack Del Rio, the former Jacksonville Jaguar, the former USC Trojan, the former Minnesota Viking, uh, Dallas Cowboy linebacker, is the leading candidate for the job. He's doing an outstanding job with the Denver Bronco. He is an alum of USC. Uh, I'm sure another name. It's going to be uh, mentioned a lot is Jeff Fisher. Uh, he's a USC alum. Uh, 
Uh, Boise State coach Chris Peterson, he's a guy that his name seems to be mentioned with every uh, major opening. But I tell you what, there's a um, there's a young coach, uh, a young hot hot coach by the name of James Franklin at Vanderbilt that has done a great job with the program that uh, has high academic standards. Uh, You know, to me, Vanderbilt was a job that you go when you're trying to get out of coaching. He's done a great job of making that program relevant. Uh, Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers, those just some of the names. You know Groom, he's going to come up. But my thing is, who wants this USC job? If I'm Pat Hayden, I'm looking for a guy who understands the culture, who's been there. Uh, I vote Del Rio. Well, you know, um, I know Del Rio's name is going to come up, but when you look at his success as a head coach, he didn't do so well at, at Jacksonville. He, he got fired from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, not to say that the Jaguars have done much better since he left, but I, I'm not so sure if he, he is the person for that job. I don't know if his name is big enough for this job. And, you know, you, you're right. John Gruden's name is going to come up. Now, I, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, um, if John Gruden takes this job. Hey, Chip Kelly's name is probably going to come up before it's all said and done. You know, so it's going to be a host of a host of candidates. Who's going to be the person that 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 gets this job? And Pat Hayden says he's going to keep it a secret. He's not going to be public about who's who um who his candidates are. Um, so when we hear this information, I don't think it's going to be coming from the athletic director at USC. It's going to be coming from um, inside sources, and you know what that means—not a lot. Uh, well, you know, uh, to me. This is a very important hire for Pat Hayden, uh, the USC program. You know, uh, they don't want to hit another stretch after uh, Coach Robinson retired where they just an average program. Uh, it's not good for USC. It's not good for college football. And um, the, the reason I mentioned Del Rio, again, a former player, a guy who understands the traditions at USC, understands the pressure at USC. And uh, maybe he didn't set the world on fire in Jacksonville, but I tell you what, they were competitive. They played great defense. He's doing an outstanding job now. And where do most guys go? You know, uh, all of these College ADs, they want to pluck from the NFL. But if you're, if you're going to pluck, to me, you pluck one of your own. And you pluck a guy that understands what it means to be a Trojan. You know, because uh, everybody can't just come in to a program and, and and read a couple books and have people telling you what it's like. You know, this guy has been through the fire, Daryl. And uh, I'm sure you understand that. And um, and that's why a lot of you guys rallied behind Randy Shannon when he became the coach in Miami because he was a former player. He understood what it was like to be a Kane. And, you know, they need some new blood there. This is a big hire. This is this is a big hire. And, you know, uh, as much as uh, a lot of people love Randy Shannon and a lot of people were not so thrilled that we went out and got Al Golden, who was not a, a what you would call a pedigree of the you. Um, he's done a, he's done a good job. And, we, you know, we still have some skeptics in Miami, but a lot of people are coming around to sit at Al Golden's turn our program and got us back on track. And we look like we could be um doing some promising things at the University of Miami. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a USC guy, but it's not going to surprise me if it is a USC guy. And, 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 it, and, it's, and it's definitely not going to surprise me if, um, if USC goes after Gruden because, you know, he's a, he's a California guy, but he's more 
of that name. He's that name that they're looking for right now. It, it ain't always about names. You know, names are good, but uh, how motivated is he to get into the grind? You know, the one thing about Gruden, he hasn't been a college coach in forever. And, uh, you know, it's a little different than the NFL. You know, you got to go on the road and recruit. You got to host parents. And, uh, you know, you don't have to do that in the NFL. But uh, I'll I tell you what, it doesn't matter who they hire, Daryl, uh, until this NCAA penalties are over. It's going to be it's going to be a grind until they get up to the full scholarship allotment. Um, you know, in in other culture news, there's another guy that um, his seat is getting very very warm in Austin, Texas, especially when a uh, Heisman Trophy winning uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, Running back by the name of Earl Campbell says that you should be fired or let go. You know, uh, that's tough. It's very tough, man. You know, and Earl, Earl Campbell is um, what we like to call a living legend. And, you know, um, you know, and, and I'm not going to say Earl took a lot of his to the head because that's obvious. But I think sometimes we should we should. We shouldn't. We shouldn't just let our feelings be known so publicly. And I, and a lot of times, these guys, man, especially guys a little older, they don't really understand the things that they say are heard around the world. It used to be a time where where you said them and just a few people heard them, but now those same comments are heard around the world in a matter of minutes. So I'm not so sure that Earl should have uh, come out and said what he said. And uh, and I don't think it's his position to say what he said either. Hey man, uh, I feel Earl has the, he he has the right to speak his mind. And you know when somebody asks you a question, Dale, uh, you want to answer it as open and honest as possible. I don't know all the details of it. I know Earl mentioned it, but Earl also went out of his way to say what a great man that Mac Brown was. And uh, he, he he was just he just felt that it's time to make a change. And we see it a lot, Daryl, uh, where players are told that they're too old to um to play. You know, uh sometimes a coaches, man, they just they just lose that mojo. They you they lose that effectiveness. And uh, you know, I, I I really feel I like Mac Brown. I think he's a great guy. He's a class act. But I, I think that uh, I think it's time for him to uh, maybe go into one of those cush admin positions and uh, do what's right for the University of Texas. He's done a he did a great job of bringing them back. Uh, I, I will say he brought that program back to where Texas is, is uh, their major factor in the college athletics landscape. But uh, I, I think. By him staying, he's going to do more damage than good. And uh, also, you know, just seeing that the um, AD is going to announce tomorrow that he's stepping down uh, next August. So now you're going to have a situation where there's a new AD. Uh, to me, it just doesn't look good for Mac Brown. Should ha- should Earl Campbell have said that? Hey, mm, uh, uh, that's a judgment call. But at the same time, man, uh, these guys – he loves his university. He he don't want to see them suffer through what they suffered through uh, for a long time. And if right now, I feel if, if Texas react and can somehow convince Mac Brown to step down, I really feel they get the right guy in there. They're they're going to be off to bigger and better things. You know, I'll I'll say this, Sam, before we step off the subject. I think everybody in Texas knows that at the end of this season, Mac Brown is going to step down. I think he's going to catch enough pressure from the fans and from administration boosters that he is going to step down after this season. But I think 
as a as as a legend in Texas, he deserves to be able to step down and walk away from this job. I don't think he needs pressure from Earl Campbell or anyone else because we all know he's going to step down at the end of this at the end of this season. Well, Mac has been he's been adamant that he's not stepping down, that well, uh, he's energized. So, uh, you know, I, I, I feel that he's going to need that extra boost. But, you know, hey, uh, again, Mac Brown, I'm a Mac Brown fan. I, I, I think I really, he's saying really, what he's saying. I think he's saying what he's saying, Sam, so he can sustain his job throughout the season. You know, I don't think I think he knows that he sees the writing on the wall. When we can see the writing on the wall, he definitely can see the writing on the wall. I guess, Daryl, so now we're talking about coaches getting fired. Are there any other guys out there that should be worried about their job status? Uh, and, <laughs> you know, um, Sam, I, I really think college football is, 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 is in a healthy state right now. And um, I, I look at some of the bigger programs that are, that are up there still. But when we look at the, the middle-of-the-world programs, I think these programs are, are still steady and, and rolling, rolling quite well. So I don't see a need for uh, a lot of culture changes in college football this year. Do you see any, any uh, big-name coaches that could possibly be losing their job? I don't see any big name uh, guys uh, at the moment, Daryl. But uh, you know how the college coaching profession is. If there's a a big name coach from the NFL or from another program that uh, decides he want to coach somewhere else, you know, sometimes people will jump the gun to get the guy that they feel is going to be a program changer. Uh, I pr- I'm pretty sure if Nick Saban said I'm leaving Alabama, that uh, he'll have. The choice to go anywhere he want to go, but uh, I don't. I don't see Nick Saban doing that. You know, there are reports also out there that uh, Texas called Nick Saban to gauge his interest uh, in, in that job. You know, uh, so you never know what's going on behind the scenes. And, and uh, I, I really hate to say this, but the um, the big money donors in the regions, those are the guys that's running uh, the um, athletic programs. And that's and, that's uh, true, Sam. And you know, I'm, I'm gonna say this too, um, Coach O'Leary. From the University of Central Florida, he almost beat South Carolina over the weekend. He's he's taking this program to another level. Coach O'Leary missed out on an opportunity to have a job at Notre Dame some years ago because they found some discrepancy on his application, on his resume, and his name was taken off the list after he had the job at Notre Dame. So I think um, I think Coach O'Leary's name should be looked at as one of those guys that, sh- that could possibly be moving on to a bigger university than University of South Florida with, with, at the end of this year. Don't be surprised. He's done a great job at Central Florida. At Central Florida. Hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info UM on the Voice American Network. We'll be right back after the break. flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune into Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemont Williams. Each week, join Lemont as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoun3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome to Sports Info UM. Sam, let's get right into this college football, man. University of Alabama seems to continue to roll, roll, roll tide. Hey, uh, Daryl, I'll tell you the one thing I like about this Alabama victory over Ole Miss is they got back to their roots. They ran the football, and they played hard-nosed defense. You're talking about an Ole Miss team that came into this game lighting up the scoreboard. Alabama held them to 11 first downs, 205 total yards. And on the flip side of that, Alabama ran the ball downhill, 254 yards on the ground, 6.4 yards to carry, and uh, T.J. T.J. Yeldon looked like the guy who uh, Eddie George predicted would win uh, multiple Heismans. And uh, Alabama just showed that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, man. What more can you say besides roll time? Well, you know, when you look at this kid, A.J. McCarron, you know, he, he, he didn't throw any touchdowns, uh, threw one interception, uh, 25 or 32 for 180 yards. Hey, this is these are not very impressive numbers. But when you have two running backs that go for over 100 yards, one for 121 and actually one for 99 yards, 12, 12 carries for 99 yards, and Yeldon went for 17 carries for 121 yards, 7.1 yard per carry. Hey, man, these, these guys are, are doing their thing, man. And I'll and I tell you what, Daryl, it's going to make it tough for a lot of these teams that uh, get in the shootouts to beat Alabama. To me, uh, that's what makes them special. They run the ball and they play hard-nosed defense. And uh, 
again, man, it, it, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And until you beat them, it's hard to pick against them, man. But uh, moving along, the number two team in the country, the Oregon Ducks, they routed Cal 55-16. to 16. That victory could have been costly with the uh, with the Black Mamba, the Anthony Thomas uh, leaving the game with an ankle injury. And um, to me, the story of this game was turnovers. You know, Cal turned the ball over five times. It's going to be tough to beat a team as dangerous as Oregon uh, when you turn the ball over five times. Yeah, it, you, you can't you can't beat uh, Oregon turn the ball over five times. But when you have 11, 11 penalties for ninety seven yards, you just shooting yourself in the foot, and you don't stand a chance beating a team like Oregon when you put when you penalize yourself that many times and you have five turnovers. And, and now don't don't no, you know Oregon had two turnovers, but it's it's you can't capitalize on two when you're giving the ball away five times yourself, man. That is very true, Daryl. That is very true. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough. Uh, there, there's going to be a game in the um, Pac-12 coming up, uh, coming down the road, uh, Oregon and Stanford, that is potentially the winner of that game. There's a great chance they're going to play for the national championship, Daryl. So uh, if they continue to win and do what they've been doing. Uh, moving along, the number three, Clemson, uh, just pounded Wake Forest. Fifty-six to seven. I, I tell you what, man. The 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 combination of Todd's board and Sammy Watkins is something that's just uh, poetry in motion, Daryl. And uh, you know this Clemson team—they beat a tough Georgia team earlier. Uh, they have a couple more tough matchups. They're going to have to face your your Hurricanes and and the Florida State Seminoles. But uh, this is a team that can possibly sneak into that national championship picture if, if Oregon or Alabama were to falter. I mean, there's a lot of football left, so I hate to jump the gun, but this is a team that has to – they have a, they have a big-time quarterback, a big-time receiver, and they have a solid running game. So uh, this is a team that's definitely – you have to definitely keep your eye on. Yeah, you definitely have to keep your eye on this team. And, uh, and, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, man, Taj Boyd is a heck of a – quarterback but this kid Sammy Watkins man he is possibly the best player best offensive player in college football this year and it's not going to surprise me to see him drafted higher than Todd Boyd and he'll definitely be going in the first round hey to me Darren they're both first rounders it's just a matter of how high will they go in the in the first round. Uh, one of the better games of the night to me man uh I, I hate to say their name uh Ohio uh, in Wisconsin. Ohio, the number four team in the country, they got Braxton Miller back. There's a little quarterback controversy until Braxton Miller suited up and went out and starred in this game um, against Wisconsin. And they needed everything he brought to the table, 17 to 25, 198 yards, four touchdowns. The young man didn't miss a beat, Daryl. And um, I'll tell you what, man, Ohio, uh, they have a solid running game because the quarterback – that's as athletic as Braxton Miller and uh, Hot, the um, tailback. It, it, they put a lot of pressure on teams. They're going to play good defense. But uh, Wisconsin gave them everything that they can handle. Uh, this was a great ball game. This, this was a great game, man. And, and, and Sam, um, this guy Urban Meyer, I really put a question mark beside him. Because here's a quarterback who just came back from a knee injury. And this guy ran the ball 22 attempts for 83 yards, 3.8 yards a carry. 
I, I just, I just don't. Did we don't talk about this, this a week, a couple weeks ago? We talked about this when I said Urban Meyer would run you into the ground, and you kind of, de- you kind of defended Urban Meyer. And look at no, here, man, you're talking about a guy with a knee injury, like you said, the comeback when you have another quarterback that's more than capable of getting the job done. Hey, man, run, run. And I've, I've, I, I, I don't think I've defended Urban Meyer ever. <laughs> And the reason I say that is because I saw this guy run Percy Harvin. He he ran him at least 12 times in a row, whether he was throwing the ball to him, handing it to him in the backfield. It didn't matter. And uh, and this young man was coming off of injuries almost every other week or so. So, no, Urban Meyer just has, has you know, he, he's not taking it easy on anybody. or He's not trying to find someone else to run the ball or or um, carry the load. No, he's using those horses he, he has, and, and that's just the bottom line. It, 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 it concerns me, man, to see this quarterback. And, he, and you know, he looks at it like, hey, I got, the, I got a quarterback on the bench that's just as good. Let me just run this one in the, in the ground. If he, he, if he gets hurt, man. I'll just throw the other one in there. You know, um, I'll never forget this guy named Alvin Wyatt who coached at Bethune-Cookman. He came out with this Wyatt bone, which was a, a version of the Veer option, and uh, and I f- and I knew a guy that coached on his staff, and I said, "Man, how many quarterbacks do you guys have? Because you run your quarterback just like you're running a running back." He says, "We have five quarterbacks, and we're almost expected to play four of them because they are they're like running backs to us." And I look at Urban Meyer and say the same thing, man. This quarterback. Braxton Miller is just another running back in the backfield. He's not preparing him to be a drop-back quarterback for the NFL. And, and, hey, it shows. i tell you what, Darrell. A key play in this game was uh, right before the half when Braxton Miller hit Phil Brown for a 40-yard touchdown pass with one second to go. That took a 17-14 game and made it 24-14. Uh, and uh, to me, man, if Wisconsin could have just defended that play, you never know the outcome might have been a little different. But uh, Stanford, Washington State, uh, Stanford uh, team is going to run downhill. I really think that Stanford should petition to be in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, again, 238 yards on the ground, averaged over six point six yards a carry. Uh, you know, uh, Mike Leach, man, he's supposed to be the mad scientist of offense. He's He has struggled mightily at uh, Washington State. I really like the job that David Shaw is doing uh, with this Stanford team. And uh, to me, the way that you beat an Oregon team or put pressure on them is you run the ball and you keep their best uh, weapon on the sideline. And you do that by controlling the clock. And uh, I really think that Stanford-Oregon, I can't wait to see that game. It's going to be a classic in the making, Daryl. And, you know, when you look at this Stanford program, they're such a balanced team. You know, 322 yards passing, 238 yards rushing. You know, they, they, they really have a balanced attack, and, and they don't stop bringing it. You know, they're, they're running hard constantly. And I, I really like how they, how, they, how they line up and just punch you in the face. You know what's coming, but can you stop it? It doesn't Smash seem like a whole lot of baby. teams. don't seem like a whole lot of teams can do anything about it, man. Hey, yeah, and don't hey. be surprised if this team is in the hunt for the national championship towards the end of the season. I tell you what, if they beat Oregon right now, they're sitting at number five. If they beat the um, number two team in the country.
country there. They're going to shoot up in the rankings. Uh, they don't have far to go. So if they beat them, they're, they're definitely going to have a, a, a big-time chance of uh, jumping a Clemson team. Uh, a lot of the SEC teams, they're going to knock each other out the hunt. And speaking of SEC teams, where was the D in the Georgia-LSU game, Dale? You're talking wow. about a 44-41 shootout. This, to me, was a great game uh, if you love offense. And I'm just thinking, you know, when everybody talk about the SEC, they talk about the best athletes uh, in the country. They talk about the teams that play big-time defense. Uh, you know, this year, the SEC hasn't been playing much defense, Darrell, uh, but again, you're talking about a great game. You're talking about two big-time quarterbacks on display uh, in this ball game with Aaron Murray and uh, Mettenberger. Uh I mean, you're talking about guys that was making big-time throws. Menberger from LSU, 23-37, 372 yards, three touchdowns. And, uh, man, he threw some passes that was – you're talking about threading the needle and uh, him benefiting from having a guy like Cam Cameron as his offensive coordinator. Uh, that, that was big-time. Uh, and Aaron Murray, some people feel that he would have been a number-one pick last year if he'd have left in uh, Georgia. They're solid, man. I really like this Georgia team, especially after they lost a close game to Clemson. I really, really like this Georgia team. But to me, they're going to have to shore up their defense if they're going to beat an Alabama team. Well, you know, uh, Sam, this is one of those teams in the SEC that was really fighting and scraping for their SEC life. You know, if Georgia had lost this game, that would have been two losses in the SEC, and that would have basically, they would have been buried in the conference. And no, that would have been their first loss. Clemson is a non-conference game. Well, that was a had, they would have had two losses on the season, and which would have really hurt them for us, uh, being in a national hunt. Now, um, on the other hand, man, LSU, uh, you know, I, I, we probably saw one of the best receivers in the nation uh, this week. Uh, with this kid Landry for, for LSU, 10, 10 catches, 156 yards. But, Sam, the guy, Gurley, went out in the second quarter for the, for the Georgia Bulldogs, and it was probably a godsend because that meant that Murray had an opportunity to throw the ball even more. You know, 20, 20, 20 completions of 34 attempts, 298 yards, 8.8 um, yards per co- completion, and Gurley, when he left, he had a 9.1 average, eight rushes, 72 yards. Hey, he, ha- he was having a heck of a game. But his injury actually gave uh, George an opportunity to throw the ball more, and I think that, was a- that really broke this game wide open. I think Georgia was actually trying to uh, control the game where uh, LSU was really just trying to score as many points as they can, go up and down the field as, as quickly as they can, because their running attack is not as, um, as, as powerful as the Bulldogs. I tell you, this girly, he's a grown man. He runs downhill. But I also got to give a shout-out to Keith Marshall. He came in yes. the game at 20 carries, 96 yards. He was steady, a 4.8-yard average. And, uh, hey, man, you're going to need more than one running back. It's a long season. You got to tip your hat to Mark Rick. Georgia is square dab in the middle of this SEC and national championship pitcher yes, because if they, can, if, they can, if they continue to win, they're going to control their own destiny. You're talking about a team that was one, one, two plays away last year from playing for the national championship. So, hey, man, hats off to Georgia. And let's don't get it twisted. LSU is still in the hunt, too. And with this kid, Mettenberg, as their quarterback, who started out at the University of Georgia, him and Murray at, at one point were roommates as freshmen. Hey, it, it, 
with his arm and his ability, uh, 23 or 37, 372 yards, that's that's a heck of a day for a college quarterback. And uh, don't count them out. I, I tell you, they, they're really an offensive explosion. Yes, they are, Daryl. Moving along, Daryl, number eight, Florida State Seminoles. You guys are going to see Florida State down the road, and I'll tell you one thing. You guys better be very, very wary of Jameis Winston. You're talking about a, a young man that replaced a first-round quarterback, the only quarterback that was drafted in the first round of the uh, 2013 NFL draft. And, man, I don't really feel that they miss. Miss him at all, man, because Jameis Winston, 17-27, 330 yards, four touchdowns, one interceptions. He also carried the ball 14 times for 67 yards. Uh, man, I tell you what, uh, Florida State looked good. But to me, you give up 34 points to um, to Boston College. We have some issues. I don't like these teams giving up all these points. I'm a defensive guy, Darryl. Uh, they gave up 200 yards rushing. When you allow a team to control the clock, I'm telling you, man, that's a recipe for defeat. And, and uh, the running back in Miami is probably licking his chops seeing the guy from Boston College go, seeing Boston College rush for over 200 yards against that Florida State defense. You know, and I guess I'd have to say, man, uh, Florida State is is not really impressive. They have not been that impressive to me. You know, even though a win over Boston College. But think about this. At halftime, the score was 23-17, Boston College. You know, I, we, we, we just expect a little bit more from Florida State. Their defense don't seem like the same defense that we've seen in the past from Florida State. I know they lost some guys to NFL draft last year. However, they just don't seem like they're that stout defense. They gave up 200-yard rushing to Boston College. Come on, Sam. And, and you're talking about a Florida State team that only gained 159 yards against Boston College. Hey, you know, when, 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 when Boston College out, outgains you, and when you look at the pass attack, yeah, um, they, they threw for 330 yards. They got some receivers now. Them receivers, they're going to put pressure on any team they line up against. But, uh, uh, again, to me, how do you keep a team's best weapon out of the game? You run the ball. You control the clock. And uh, until they prove that they can stop the run, they're going to they're gonna struggle mightily against the good teams. And, and, hey, I think Miami is a good team this year, and I really think our offense, our defense is much better than Boston College defense, and we're much better than I like Florida State early by seven. I like Florida State early by seven over Miami. That's my early line. Hey, uh, Texas A&M, 45, Arkansas, 33. Johnny Manziel continues to razzle and dazzle. And uh, your Hurricanes beat up on South Florida. 49 to 21, your quarterback called their players dirty. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Miami South Florida game? You know, um, I, I, I tell you, you got 60 that, seconds. Miami is impressive. They look very good. Our wide receivers look outstanding. Our defensive line is more stout now than we've been in the last three years. I'm impressed. I think our secondary still needs some work, but boy, our linebackers hit probably harder than any linebackers in the nation. Hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info. You am on the Voice American Network. We'll be right back with the NFL Beat. Your internet flagship station for sports. 
America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. What's it like to live life on the edge? Fire in the hole! It's that feeling of exhilaration after doing something that pushes your limits every day. Action sports athletes live their lives on the edge. Join professional ski patroller, journalist, and author Kim Kircher every week as she talks to guests who are exploring the edge. We'll look at everything including risks, motivation, and the rewards involved with getting out on the edge. You want to tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Bombs away. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Sam, there are a lot of games over the weekend, man. Peyton Manning continues to roll. Man, 15 touchdowns in four games. Is that unbelievable or what? 16, Daryl. Excuse a, me. That's an NFL record. And, uh, you know, to me, I, when watching this game, I thought that uh, Chip Kelly's offense was supposed to be putting up these type of numbers. But uh, I, I tell you what, man, I had an opportunity to play for Peyton Manning, play with Peyton Manning for three years. Uh, he's just a class act. Uh, no one works harder than Peyton. And the thing that Denver really has to be happy about is he's taking an average group of receivers, man, and he's making them uh, – some of the best receivers in the league, man. And uh, no Sean Moreno, there was talk about him not even making the team, Daryl. Oh, what, what has he done? He, he goes out and he's run hard, man. 12 for 78. He's running like the guy that I saw at Georgia that was a first-round draft pick. And, and again, when teams got to play seven guys in the box because of paid men, and that makes an average running back a lot better, Daryl. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, this, this Denver team look like, right now that they're in the class of the AFC? Well, they definitely look like the class of the AFC. And, um, and, and when you look at it, Peyton Manning has made everyone on that team better. You know, these are the same, basically the same receivers that um, Tim Tebow had. You know, but they don't look like and play like the same guys that played against Tim Tebow. 
That is very true, Dale. When I look at this Philadelphia team, you know, they, they got pounded uh, by a, a very, very good Denver Broncos team. Right now, they're sitting at 1-3. Washington's 1-3. The Cowboys are 2-2. Two two. The Giants are 0-4. I still like the Philadelphia Eagles to win the NFC East. I really feel that they're the best team in the NFC East. Uh, they have too many offensive weapons, and uh, I think they're going to get back on the right track this week uh, when the Giants come to town. You know, man, I really think that this division is so wide open still, and it's not going to surprise me to see Robert Griffin get on track. I'm not even, I'm, I'm not, he's not Robert Griffin III anymore. We're just going to call him Robert Griffin. All right? He's almost, yeah, I'm almost about to call he him. RG? Just, no, just Robert. You know what I'm saying? When Robert get this team right, I think they might actually have a chance to win the division or at least make the playoffs and win that division. Because, you know, they're one and three, and the team that's leading the division is only two and two. So if Robert can get his team right, I think they may have something, Sam. And, well, he got them on track against the Raiders and, uh, you know, uh, a good good ball game. But, uh, again, I really feel that, the Eagles, to me, they're going to they're gonna come out of this division. Uh, RG3, man, he, he's just not the same. 18 to 31 against the Raiders. Robert. Robert, 227 yards, one touchdown. He ran the ball three times for 10 yards. Uh, you know, Matt Flynn, he got an opportunity to start uh, for the Raiders. Uh, I, I really feel that this Raider team is better off with Terrell Pryor. He was out the game with a concussion. But uh, it's going to be interesting, Darrell. Uh, what about the what about the Sunday night game? You know, Atlanta and Maddie Ice. You know, uh, this is one of have to be one of the biggest disappointments so far in the um, first quarter of the season. Daryl, uh, Atlanta is one and three, and uh, Matt Ryan he put up big numbers: four hundred twenty-one yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. But when he when this team needed him the most, he didn't come up and make a big play. Daryl, you know, I, I would agree with you wholeheartedly, Sam. And you know. He had all of his weapons. You know, he had Roddy White. He had Julio Jones. He had the greatest tight end in the history of, uh, of the NFL, Tony Gonzalez. And what did he do? You know, he looked at that natty, that natty ice that could never make it to the playoffs, could never make it out of the first round of the playoffs. So I'm, I'm concerned a little bit. You know, we, and I think we, I think the Atlanta Falcons depended on Steven Jackson to make such a serious impact in their running game that when they lost him, they lost a huge part of what they wanted to do offensively. Well, Darrell, when I looked at this game, to me, New England dominated this game. Uh, Atlanta got an onside kick late but and then scored a touchdown to, to pull it within seven. But uh, you, you're talking about, to me, a game that was dominated by uh, New England. Uh, New England, uh, Tlaib, uh to lead the cornerback that came from Tampa Bay. I don't know how they let Bill Belichick dupe them into making that trade. But I tell you what, man, this guy shadowed uh, Roddy White and Julio Jones all night. Yes, he had some safety help, but he did a good job of uh, trailing them and playing two men. And there was some occasions when he was left on an island with them and he held his own. And uh, 
you know, Tom Brady, he's just steady. He's Tom Brady. Um, he took uh, Kendall Tompkins, an undrafted free agent out of Cincinnati, six catches, 127 yards, and a touchdown. And these young receivers that had Brady so frustrated early in the year, they continue to get better and better. And I tell you, Blunt, another swindle by Belichick of the Buccaneers. It's some with the Buccaneers in uh, New England. Blunt was running hard, man. And on that touchdown run, I don't think anybody in Atlanta wanted to hit Blunt. And uh, Tom, Br- Tom Brady, again, steady. One of his better performances, uh, average by his standards, 20 of 31, 316 yards, two touchdowns. The most important thing, New England just continue to find a way to win, Daryl. And, uh, you know, again, Gronkowski, he's close to coming back. Armandola, he had him for one game, so you can't risk. You you don't really miss what you never had. But uh, I, I tell you what, man, I'm I'm really impressed with this New England team. And and to be honest, the reason they don't have another Super Bowl is their defense. Now they're playing like a Super Bowl defense. I tell you, man, um, I'm really impressed with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I, I'd, I'd have to say. Uh, this is probably one of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen Belichick do. And I'd have to say that, that Tom Brady is definitely getting the most out of less. You know, he, he, he doesn't have his tight ends. He doesn't have Wes Welker. Um, he, he's, getting, he's getting a lot out of a little bit, man. So hats off to Tom Brady. And how long can he sustain this, though? Because I think teams are going to play them better. I don't think that, that people are going to be able to sit back and just people are going to sit back and let Brady pick them apart. You're going to have to bring pressure. And I know bringing pressure, pressure on Brady is like a double-edged sword. You bring pressure, he's going to kill you, but you can't let him sit back there. And now that Butch Wolfolk is gone for the season with an Achilles injury, how is that defense going to sustain? You know, this is the heart and soul of that defense, man. Definitely a run defense, Daryl. But, but I tell you what, you know, it, it's not about Tom Brady just sitting back and picking you apart. They have a three four-headed monster at running back with really blunt and uh you know that, that I think that's an aspect of the game of their team that often gets overlooked is uh you know they're committed to the run they spread teams out to run the ball and uh again Stephen Ridley had a great year last year they got LeGarrette Blunt this year and uh I, I really feel that this team is going to continue to get better uh I wouldn't bet against Belichick. Uh, are they the best team in the AFC? No, uh, but they're one of the top two or three teams, and I wouldn't bet against uh, Brady and Belichick in a one-game affair, Daryl. Well, Sam, I'll say this before we go and leave this game alone, but Atlanta Falcons, they rushed for 98 yards. No, excuse me. They rushed for 58 yards. And Jaquez Rogers, who came in and replaced with Steven Jackson, seven rushes, 32 yards. That's All not right. enough. They weren't that's committed. That's not enough. That's, they that's, that's, there you go. There you go. So, and, I'm, and I'm telling you, that's not enough because I really think that they have actually um, made a big commitment for Steven Jackson to be a big portion of their offense. And he was, he's, he's out. He's injured. And he's, he has age on him. He has mileage on him as a, as a running back in the NFL. And it's not going to surprise me. If when he does come back, he's not going to be able to um, to help this team like they expected him to. 
you don't uh, recover the same. But I tell you what, Daryl, moving along, one of the better games of the day to me. Uh, I watched pretty much every snap of this game. The Seattle Seahawks are off to their first 4 0 start in franchise history. They stole one from the uh, Texans, 23 to 20. I tell you what, Daryl, this was a great ball game. Uh, Seattle was down. They showed a lot of resolve. They were down 20 to three and they battled back and stole this game in overtime a huge penalty by a young defensive back from the texans where he picked the guy up and body slammed him and got a personal foul call they kept a drive alive and uh you know russell wilson he didn't have the best stats he only passed for 123 yards he threw an interception but he got it done on the ground 10 carries 77 yards and they needed every one of those yards late when he decided to start moving the ball with his feet uh I, I tell you what, man, Matt, Matt Schaub made a costly mistake late in the game um, where he should have took the sack on a bootleg. He threw the ball out into the flats, and Mr. Talkative Richard Sherman picked it off and took it to the house, man, and uh, that was really the difference in this game. But uh, it was a great ball game. The Texans are 2-2, two and two, but I tell you what, that's another team that's going to really, really uh, give Denver everything that they can handle, man. I tell you this, Sam, um, you know, I watched Russell Wilson yesterday and I watched that game um, pretty much in its entirety. But I know you probably don't remember this guy named Fred talking at University of Georgia, Minnesota Viking, great quarterback, yes. tickets to tickets Hall of team Famer. four Hall Super Bowls, Hall of Famer. Um, man, I mean, Fred Tarkenton could make some moves in the backfield as a quarterback and he was always so elusive. Come out the back door, come out the front door, throw the ball downfield. He was, he was, he was untouchable, man. And Russell Wilson is able to do some of those moves that Fred Tarkenton did in today's game. I mean, the guys weren't nearly as fast and as big and as strong as they were back then as they are now, but Russell Wilson is able to do some magical things um, he made a magical feet. play on that. He made a magical play on that fourth and three. Oh, right? he ran? There's, there's no way he should have got that first down, and no he, way he, he made a way out of no way. And yeah. uh, you know, again, Russell Wilson, um, he did every, he did what he had to do, man. He brought his team back. He didn't have the gaudy stats, but he found the way to get it done. Uh, but I, I like this Texan team too, man. I think they're going to make some noise in the AFC and. Uh, a potential. Uh, they have a game with Denver late in the year. Uh, next to the last game, well, December twenty second. I really like the Seattle Seahawks team, and I, I, I like that if they can win on the road, they're going to be a heck of a team at home. We already know they got the twelfth man in Seattle, and that noise is unbelievable. You know, I, I heard a guy tell. I heard a guy talk about this a couple of weeks ago. He said um, they had the Guinness Book of Records there. At the Seattle Seahawks game for against one of the, the 49ers. Yeah, against the 49ers. So they could measure and possibly put them. I think they did get in the Guinness Book of Records in that, for that game. So if you got that kind of noise at home, it makes a big difference. Because when an opposing team has the ball, you're so loud they can't hear anything. And then when you get the ball, they're so quiet that you can hear everything. So I think it's, it's, to, it's to their advantage. And I really, it's not going to surprise me, man, to see this team in the playoffs, and they're going to have home field advantage, and that's going to help them. However, the Super Bowl is played outside in New York, and that's going to hurt them big if they can make it to the Super Bowl. 
That is true. Darryl. Hey, we're moving along. We got three minutes left. This is the power of three minutes. Buffalo 23, the Ravens 20, the $100 million quarterback Joe Flacco threw five interceptions. Daryl, EJ Manuel picked up his second victory for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You got about 30 seconds. Hey, man, I'm, I'm very happy for EJ Manuel. I think he's going to be a super NFL quarterback. Hey, man, the Steelers lost another game. The Vikings beat them 34-27. How much longer is Tomlin going to be there, man? I think Thomas is going to be fine. The guy that I think is really on the hot seat is the offensive coordinator. Uh, I don't really think Pittsburgh will make a move uh, during the season. I think Tomlin, uh, he, he's going to be all right. Uh, another game, Daryl, moving along. The Cleveland Browns after trading uh, Trent Richardson are 2-2 two and two after beating the Bengals. To me, this was a big surprise. Uh, Hoyer, man, has to be the story in this game. 25 of 38, 269 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he has earned the right to start, uh, in my opinion. This is another guy that spent time in New England behind Tom Brady, man. Uh, hey, Sam, the, the Bears. The Bears lost to the Lions, man, and the Lions are 3-1. and one. The Bears are 3-1. and one. I think the Lions may have a better team, but I think both of these teams are teams to watch. I really do agree. To, um, with to me, with the Lions, it's just a, a matter of finding a way, uh, learning how to win. And uh, I, I think the Reggie Bush pickup was a great, great addition. Man, Bush is electric in the open field, and having a guy like Kevin Johnson to take the pressure off of off of Bush, uh, where he's not the focal point, that's that's big, man. The Indianapolis Colts came to Florida uh, close to us, and they uh, dogged the Jaguars 37-23, Daryl. I don't really have much to say about that game. You hey, can move on to the next one. The Cardinals, man, came to, came to Tampa Bay and beat the Buccaneers, giving them their fourth loss of the season. Even without Josh Friedman, they didn't look very good, man. So the, the, the Buccaneers still have a long way to go. Uh, yes, the Buccaneers and the Jaguars, man, those are two Florida franchises that are definitely uh, – they got some tough decisions that's going to lie ahead. Uh, my thing is, uh, if the losses keep piling up, how long is Shiano safe? Yeah, that's a good question. How long? Kansas City, 31, the Giants, 7. One of the biggest surprises to me, the Giants are 0-4 on the season, Darrell. Uh, I, I know Coach Coughlin isn't going anywhere, but I'm a little disappointed in how the Giants are playing. Andy Reid has Kansas City off and run into a four and old start, man. I don't think anybody saw this coming. We're down That's our last thirty. Biggest, we're down our last thirty seconds, Daryl. The biggest surprise would have to be Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs off to a four and old start, and they look like they're very happy out there in Kansas City. And Andy Reid makes it hard for new for coaches in their first term, man, because if he can get off to a four and old start and start looking at the playoffs, everybody's expecting a new coach to do that. So Jacksonville. We should be at least two and two if Kansas City is four and zero. Oh. Jacksonville is the worst team in football. They will have the number one pick. Hey guys, you're listening to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Network. We'll be back next week. Washington, get your act together. Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then.